So I want to invite you to turn your Bibles to Psalm 138. We'll be there in a moment. I also want to encourage you to check out uh, Right Now Media if you want to have a supplemental study to go along with this Journey of Rhythm study. Uh, It's called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. And I think most people that I talk to, uh, when you say, how are you doing? They say one of two things. I'm tired or I'm busy. And this ruthless elimination of hurry may help you center some things in your life. So there's some instructions on the screen. You can just text Berlin CC to 49775 if you don't have a Right Now Media account. So check that out. Uh, it's a great resource. There's lots of material on there for marriage enrichment, parenting, kids stuff. There's lots of cartoons for the kids to watch. So it's just a helpful tool, Right Now Media. I encourage you to take advantage of it if you haven't done that yet. God is looking for you. He's searching and seeking for you. Jesus has a conversation with a woman at the well in John chapter 4, and they talk about worship, and and Jesus says to her, a time is now coming, in fact, has now come, where the true worshipers of the Father will worship in spirit and in truth. These are the kinds of worshipers my Father seeks. God wants people who will worship in spirit and in truth. And I want us to think about this theme today of worship, that we're in this journey of rhythm. We want to talk about some healthy habits that all Christians need to have in their lives. And this day, we're talking about the, the rhythm or the habit of, of worship. And it's partly right now what we're doing in this Sunday worship gathering publicly. But worship also needs to happen All day, every day. And so there's some times where you're not in this group setting that you still are called to worship God. And so I want to invite you to consider this theme of worship. Last week we talked about solitude and silence, that if we're going to follow Jesus, we must follow him to the quiet places. And so today I want to talk about this theme of worship intensity. J.K. Jones has a helpful book called Set Apart for Ministry, and he says there's three simple practices that everyone needs to have, and it is that you need to have one of those is worship intensity. Richard Foster describes worship this way, and it's in a helpful book called Celebration of Discipline. Might be one you want to add to your reading list. Celebration of Discipline by Richard Foster. And here's what he says about worship. He says the divine priority is worship first, service second. Our lives are to be punctuated with praise, thanksgiving, and adoration. Service flows out of worship. One grave temptation we all face is to run around answering calls to service without ministering to the Lord himself. Let's be honest, a lot of us want to help people, and we want to be busy doing good things, and that's admirable and biblical, but he says the first thing is we worship Jesus. We, we connect that relationship with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit first, and then we go out horizontally with other people. And many times we're so busy helping other people that we kind of forget, oh yeah, you're up there, God. Help us out here when you can. He says the priority needs to be God first, and then you, you let that flow out of you to others to help them. So how would we define this idea of worship? Because let's be honest, if I just say worship, everyone in this room has a different idea. Some of you are thinking, you know, right now, Sunday church, 
Maybe you're thinking, well, it's the song part of the service. Some of you are thinking, no, it's when we have Lord's Supper. Maybe it's when we preach. Maybe it's when you're in your quiet place, when you're you know, at home reading your Bible. What does worship look like? What really is worship? How can we define or describe this? The simplest definition that I've, that I've gravitated toward over the years, I heard from J.K. Jones, and he just simply says, worship is loving God back. That's what worship is. Loving God back. Three simple words. What I like about it is it has nothing to do with music. Although worship does include music, we just sang. It doesn't talk about a lot. It's, it's very broad, but it's so simple and right on. Worship is loving. It's, it's, it's loving God. Who do we love? We love God. We love God back. Which means what? He loves us and he loved us first. So God has already extended his arms of love and his grace and his compassion. He gave us life and breath. And so our worship is just simply loving him back. That's the way to just say thank you. It's responding to his love. Are you following me? So as you're thinking about these holy habits this week, I want you to think, maybe you just need to harness in on this, this definition of, of worship. I just want my life to be one that is described as loving God back. I just want to love God because he first loved me. That's what we're talking about today. Worship is loving God back. So if you found your Bibles to Psalm 138, I want us to anchor this sermon on worship in the worship book of God's people, the book of Psalms. Psalm 138. I ran across this psalm about a few weeks ago in this, this summer. I was just in my one-year Bible reading plan, and I ran across Psalm 138, and I'm like, this is helpful. This is, this is good stuff. And I was, went back and forth. Do I use this sermon, this psalm, for, for a sermon on worship? It really is about prayer. And I just said, I'm going to anchor it in today because I think there's a lot of worship in here. But what struck me on the day I read it was verse 3 of Psalm 138. It says, On the day I called, you answered me. My strength of soul you increased. Anybody else need some strengthening in your soul today? sounds like if you call out to God, he strengthens our soul. So I just thought that this is a helpful psalm for us to hear of just getting our soul strengthened. So let's get into God's word. I want to pr- and then I'll pray, and then I'll preach our, the sermon here. Are you ready? So Psalm 138, this is a psalm of David. I give you thanks, O Lord, with my whole heart. Before the gods, I sing your praise. I bow down toward your holy temple and give thanks to your name for your steadfast love and your faithfulness. For you have exalted above all things your name and your word. On the day I called, you answered me. My strength of soul you increased. All the kings of the earth shall give you thanks, O Lord, for they have heard the words of your mouth. And they shall sing of the ways of the Lord, for great is the glory of the Lord. For though the Lord is high, he regards the lowly, but the haughty he knows from afar. Though I walk in the midst of trouble, you preserve my life. You stretch out your hand against the wrath of my enemies, and your right hand delivers me. The Lord will fulfill his purpose for me. Your steadfast love, O Lord, endures forever. Do not forsake the work of your hands. 
Let's pray for God's word here. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, thank you for the words of David that he wrote so many years ago. Lord, I pray that his prayer may be our prayer today. May we give you thanks with our whole heart. May we praise you. May we come near and bow down before you. May we seek your purpose for our lives. Lord, open our eyes to see what we need to see. Open our ears so we can hear what we need to hear. And give us hands and feet to respond as we worship you today, King Jesus. Help us, we pray. Amen. Psalm 138, I want to give you four responses. Worship is a response, loving God back. Four responses to God's love. The first response we see in Psalm 138, we respond to God's love with thanks. Respond to God's love with thanks. It's there in verse 1, verse 2, verse 4. If it's repeated three times, we probably should pay attention to it. Verse 1, I give you thanks, O Lord, with my whole heart. Isn't it fun to see someone when they've had their whole heart into it? This happens at our house when my kids are playing with their Legos. They are all in designing all those Legos. And it's also frustrating to see someone that's just serving half-heartedly. You ever had that experience where they're just kind of mailing it in? They're there present physically, but they are not engaged. They're just kind of clicking a box or checking, checking a time slot. And so God, uh, David says, I will give you thanks with my whole heart, with all of my heart. Is that, could that be said of you, that we give thanks with our whole heart? You go down to verse 2. He says, I bow down toward your holy temple and give thanks to your name for your steadfast love and your faithfulness. He's recognizing that God is faithful and he's got this steadfast love, which we'll come back to at the end of this psalm. So he gives thanks for the steadfast love of God. And then again in verse 4, he says, All the kings of the earth shall give you thanks, O Lord. You have that picture of kings right now around the world giving thanks to God or historically kings giving thanks to God. David can see a day in the future where they will give thanks to God for they have heard the words of your mouth. They have heard the word of God and God's word is powerful. And he says there's going to be a day where those kings will give thanks, give thanks for the words of God. Most of you have a Bible, maybe some of you don't have a Bible, but do you remember who gave you your Bible? I mean, most of the time it seems like Bibles are given as gifts. I mean, I can think of people who gave me a Bible, or maybe the first Bible that you were given. Do you remember who gave it to you? Might have been a vacation Bible school, might have been mom, dad, grandma or grandpa, husband, wife. Someone probably gave you a Bible at some point. Have you told God thank you for that Bible that was given to you? Have you thanked God recently for that person that introduced you to Jesus to give you God's word? And can I just say, if you don't have a Bible, you see me today and we will fix that before you leave because we believe and value the Bible as God's word. But it's important to give thanks to God for his words. Something I've also been doing, another habit, and I've talked about this before, but I want to create, create some healthy habits. And so this might be a way that you want to increase your worship intensity is to start a gratitude journal or a thank you journal. We're going to talk about journaling here in a couple weeks, but 
most days at the end of my day, I write down something that bummed me out. Just something that was kind of like, this was kind of rotten. I write that out. And then I put three thank yous. And then I try to write like four or five things. And so Dan, Dr. Daniel Amen says, if you do this for a few weeks, you're just going to feel better. You're just going to feel better just by the practice of writing something down to give God thanks. So if you're in a place where you just need to feel better, God has a remedy and it's to give him thanks. And so here are a few things I wrote down in my journal this week. I had the opportunity, Wes and I got to go to Missouri and see my nephews get baptized on Wednesday that, or Tuesday, Tuesday afternoon. That was a fun experience. I'm going to tell you a little bit more about that in a moment, but I was thankful. So that made it in the journal, nephews baptism. That's a, that's a big deal. That morning I was at mom and dad's house and mom made breakfast and it was, she made homemade biscuits, both like cinnamon and sugar biscuits and then just regular and... Uh, and it was really good, like melted-in-your-mouth biscuits, and we had fresh tomatoes from the garden and eggs and bacon. It was just one of those good summertime breakfasts. Wasn't, that made it in my thank you journal. I was just thankful for a good breakfast and be able to have breakfast with my mom and dad. That was good. I was thankful for many friends greeted me and just you know, wished me some, some greetings, and I would just, just thank God for friendships. What would you write down if you were to give God thanks this week or at the end of today, if you were to write down three things you were thankful for? What would you write down? One way that we worship and create that intensity for worship is that we give God thanks. We respond to God's love with thanks. Second way, we respond to God's love with praise. We respond to God's love with praise. We say good things about God. And again, this is in verses 1 and verse 5. Psalm 138, verse 1. I give you thanks, O Lord, with my whole heart. Before the gods, I sing your praise. And I read that, and I'm like, what's going on here, David? Before the gods, I sing your praise. What's going on here? Maybe, it could be, you know, David's a king, and he's got lots of neighbors, and they've got lots of different gods around. Maybe you could say, before the gods, I give you praise. Out of all the ones I could choose from, I'm going to praise you, God. Is that any different than today? Look around our neighborhoods. There's lots of different gods around that we could choose. But when we worship, we are praising the one true God from Scripture, the one who sent his son Jesus to rescue us. When this moment of worship, we're praising him, the God of heaven. We respond to God's love with praise. Before the gods, I sing you, sing your praise. Verse 5, verse 5, it says again about those kings, that they shall sing of the ways of the Lord, for great is the glory of the Lord. So even those kings are going to sing praise, sing of the ways of the Lord, because someone's told them some words about God. And so we sing praise to remind us of who is in charge. And the singing is one way that we give God praise. Singing is talking, but it's more than talking, isn't it? It's an intense expression of our feelings. And you have to kind of use your gut a little bit if you're going to sing. There's just something that happens when you sing. We sing praise. We respond to God's love with praise. And out of all the choices that we can choose for worship, we are choosing the one true God. Worship centers our lives. 
So when life is going crazy, we can remind ourselves, you, God, are the one who's going to hold true and take care of me. Louis Giglio has provocatively and helpfully explained what worship is. He says, the way I see it is this. Worship is simply about value. Value. The simplest definition I can give is this. Worship is our response to what we value most. What do you value most? He says, everybody has an altar. And every altar has a throne. So how do you know where or what you worship? He says, it's simple. It's easy. You simply follow the trail of your time, your affection, your energy, your money, and your allegiance. At the end of that trail, you'll find a throne. And whatever or whoever is on that throne is what is of highest value to you. On that throne is what you worship. Sure, not too many of us walk around saying, I worship my stuff, or I worship my job, I worship this pleasure, I worship her, I worship my body, I worship me, but the trail never lies. We may say we value this or that thing more than any other, but the volume of our actions speaks louder than our words. Follow the trail. And so these kings, they sing of the waves of the Lord, for great is the glory of God. Great is the glory of the Lord. And so I underline that phrase for this psalm. I think that's really, for me, the line for the, for the psalm. Great is the glory of the Lord. So if you want the sermon in a sentence, are you ready? God's glory ignites our worship intensity. God's glory ignites our worship intensity. I thought about bringing four candles and lighting one of them for each one of these four responses, but I just didn't pull it off today. So just imagine there's candles lit for each one of these now, okay? But, you know, at first I had this written, God's glory invites our worship intensity, which is true. But then I'm like, no, it, it, it ignites. It sets it on fire. When you see the glory of God, you have to have some passion. You have to have your whole heart. You have to have some intensity because of God's glory, his goodness. And so these kings are singing. Worship involves singing. And it's all day long. It's not just during worship time here at church, although that's part of it. Hopefully this part here in the Word is, is an act of worship. We're sitting under the Scripture of God that He's given to us. Here's another way it looks like. It happened Tuesday afternoon. I told you my nephews were baptized. Wes and I made it down to Cassville, Missouri. And so these are my, my nephews, uh, Ethan and Caden. They were baptized by their dad in Flat Creek. That's how we do it in Missouri. We baptize people in creeks. Baptism. They have baptistries too. There's running water in Missouri too. But, um, <laughs> but uh, this was a fun, fun afternoon. They, they, this is the creek right down from their house. These boys, they're 18 and 16. One's heading off to the University of Missouri, Kansas City. It's going to be a kangaroo. Uh, that's their mascot. We don't have any room to talk, do we? Uh, <laughs> But it's going to be a kangaroo. So they're getting ready. They're doing their baptism. Their, their dad baptized them uh, in the creek. They've, that's the creek that the kids have played in over the years and have fished out crawdads. And in fact, I'm pretty sure one of them found a crawdad before he got baptized. And uh, dad was there, his dad, their dad. And, and we were up on the bridge, 15, 20 feet above them. And... Uh, whew, whew, 
I knew this was coming, so. So his mom was there. Both grandparents are there. Uh, two uncles. I was one of them. Cousin, girlfriend, their preacher. We're all up on the bridge looking down on them in the water. And Grandpa Albert, he brought songbooks. Church of Christ, uh, follower of Jesus. And so we had our songbooks and we're singing. They're just kind of milling around the water getting ready. Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. I looked down in Flat Creek, Missouri, with two young boys with dad and tears in his eyes, baptized those boys in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We had church that day. It was three-something in the afternoon on a Tuesday afternoon with a great cloud of witnesses, Hebrews 12, I'm thinking, watching these boys take their next steps, next steps with Jesus. A couple people drove by in cars, and I was just glad that they were able to see some church. I don't know what they thought was happening. But when we talk about worshiping Jesus, that's one way that it looks like. And those are just very special moments. But I wanted to just share that that's one way we talk about and respond to the glory of God. The prophet Habakkuk, chapter 2, verse 14. For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. And I read that earlier this week. I thought it said, as the waters cover the earth, because that's what water does. You know, the water covers the earth. It says, the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the seas. Don't you know that water covers seas? Like, there's water everywhere in the seas. And so their picture is just God's glory is everywhere. As the glory of the Lord covers the waters of Flat Creek outside of Cassville, Missouri that Tuesday afternoon. We respond to God's love with praise. I had a fun conversation with Grandpa Albert after the baptism. I said, thanks for bringing the songbooks. It was good to hear us sing. He said, well, those boys need to realize that this was a special deal. They need to have a ceremony. They weren't just getting wet. We praise God that afternoon. I'm thankful for godly grandfathers like Albert who recognized that there was something special happening in that moment that afternoon. We respond to God's love with praise. We respond to God's love with humility. That's our third response. We respond to God's love with humility. It's in verses 2 and 3 and again in verses 6 and 7. Psalm 138, verse 2, I bow down toward your holy temple 
Bowing is a physical response of worship. We bow heads. We get down on our knees. Some places it says, I prostrate. I get down all in front of you, God. I bow down toward your holy temple and give thanks to your name for your steadfast love and your faithfulness. For you have exalted all things, your name and your word. On the day I called, you answered me. My strength of soul you increased. So ways that we show our humility, sometimes it's a physical posture. We get down. We bow our head. God, you're great. I'm not. Other times, it's in verse 3. God, I'm going to call out to you because I need your help, and I recognize that I cannot do this on my own power. You go down to verses 6 and 7, this theme of humility continues. For though the Lord is high, he regards the lowly, but the haughty he knows from afar. Though I walk in the midst of trouble, you preserve my life. You stretch out your hand against the wrath of my enemies. Your right hand delivers me. Much like the hands of Jesus were stretched out to deliver us. Your right hand delivers me. What I love about God, he's, though he is high, he regards the lowly. Paul writes in Philippians chapter 2, Philippians chapter 2, it's a song. Some people think it's an early Christian hymn. And he describes how even though Jesus was high, he embraced a low position. Here are the words of Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 11. I think it's a good commentary for Psalm 138. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset of Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Some people say that we worship, that we become what we worship. So if you worship Jesus, you will be humble. We become what we worship. And so it says, Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord, what? To the glory of God the Father. There in verse 9 it says, He gave them the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow. Did you hear that in our Psalm 138? I bow down toward your holy temple, for you have exalted all above all things your name. And every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Psalm 138, verse 5, for great is the glory of the, of the Lord. So we respond with humility. In worship, we are saying, God, you're important. You are number one. I am not. Fourth response, we see we respond to God's love with purpose. We respond to God's love with purpose. Psalm 138, verse 8. The Lord will fulfill his purpose for me. Your steadfast love, O Lord, endures forever. Do not forsake the work of your hands. Do not forsake the work of your hands. The Lord will fulfill his purpose for me. The New Living Translation says it this way. The Lord will work out his plans for my life. Worship guides our life. The, the stripped-down version of this verse, if you just boil it down to what it actually says, the Lord will fulfill for me. 
the Lord will fulfill for me. It means God's going to take care of it. And so in those seasons where we're not sure what's happening, our worship relationship with God will help guide our destiny. It says, the Lord will fulfill for me. The Lord will fulfill his plans or his purpose for me. And it's through his steadfast love that endures forever. I want to take you to the book of Revelation for this psalm, the book uh, of worship as well. Revelation chapter 7, verses 11 through 15, they're talking about this theme of worship and service. It says, All the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders, the four living creatures. They fell down on their faces. Isn't that what what David says? I bow down. They fell down on their faces before the throne and worshipped God saying, are you ready? Will you say this, this slide with me? Amen. Praise and glory and wisdom and thanks and honor and power and strength be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Let's just pause there for a minute. Between the amens, there are seven different ways to praise God. Seven different, come in, you know, compliments to God. Praise, glory, wisdom, thanks, honor, power, strength. You want some vocabulary for your worship? That's a good place to start. God, we praise you for this. Then there's a question. One of the elders asked me, these in the white robes, who are they? Where'd they come from? I answered, sir, you know. He said, these are they who have come out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore, they are before the throne of God, and they serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will shelter them with his presence. So worship. He says, and they're going to serve him day and night. Worship is something we're going to do in the new heaven, new earth. Like forever. So you better get ready. We better practice up. And we better start to like it. Some are like, heaven's not going to be one long boring church service, okay? We don't have boring church services here anyway, so I don't know why you're worried about that. I'll be honest. I mean, every day is a good day here. And so we're going to worship God for eternity. Some of that's singing. Some of that's praying. Some of that's talking to Jesus. Some of that's serving. There's going to be some work to do, it sounds like. But it's going to be work like it was before the curse. And so we need to practice this theme of worship. The glory of God ignites our worship intensity. So here's, here's my encouragement. Where are you going to start this week? What are you going to do? Some maybe just need to zero in on the def- definition. Worship is loving God back. Just define worship this week. Worship is loving God back. What's that look like for me this week? How am I going to love God back this week? In my job, with my family, with my neighborhood. How am I going to love God back? Define worship this week. For others, start a gratitude journal. I'm just going to start every day writing three things I'm thankful for. You can do that. It's not that hard. It's really, I just like it. It's just good. And it sends me into a happy place as I go to sleep. 
most nights. You know? So just you, maybe you do it in the morning. You reflect on the previous day. Whatever's a good rhythm for you. But just jot that down. Get you a little cheap $2 notebook from Walmart and just write the date and write three or four things you're thankful for every day. And try to be specific, not just thankful for friends, thankful for family. Think, no. How, what friends? What did they do? What was that conversation like? What was that good food you had for lunch or supper? Who was there? What did you see? Maybe it was creation moment where like birds were singing, the breeze across my, my face, something like that. Get some specifics you can praise God for. Uh, others, uh, just start preparing privately for public worship. Your experience really isn't about you when we come here. We're worshiping Jesus. And I'm not here to entertain you. We come here to give glory to God. And so if this Sunday morning gathering you're missing something, then maybe there's some things you need to think on during the week to get this ready so that you're here in a good place. And can I just tell you something else? Okay, so I'm going to step on your shoes, uh, but I'm hopefully not going to scuff up the shine too much, okay? You don't need to really have social media on Sunday mornings to get ready for church or whatever the Candy Crush game is, Okay? I come here and be ready to have time with God. Okay? I'm not knocking all that because there's a place for it. I get you. But maybe you just need to zero in and say, this is my time with God here. Let's start really thinking about that instead of whatever else is happening in those electronic places. Okay? Send me the emails later. It's fine. Um, and then just look for ways to praise. Look for ways to praise God. We had a cool moment Thursday night. Do you realize that your elders and deacons pray? You better, you better hope they do, because they, they better. If they're going to be a leader here, you're going to be praying, okay? And so at the end of our leadership meeting, we go out to the playground, we pray, which was cool. I'm glad we got leaders there. Like, let's go to the playground and pray. We didn't really play because we were a little big, but we were praying out there at the playground, 9.30, Thursday night. And as we're walking out, there's just this cool orange glow in the sky, the moon. And we're like, check that out, guys. And we were able to use that as a moment just to kind of praise God for a beautiful night. And it was just gorgeous. And we prayed for families. And just look for ways to praise God. It's everywhere if you have eyes to see. Look for ways that you can praise God all day long. Those might be some places where you can start as you enjoy this experience of worship. What's that look like? For you, those are some starters, but there's some other things that you can add to your list. Worship. It's a rhythm. God's glory ignites our worship intensity. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this time to gather. I thank you for this big topic. Thank you for the Psalms that give us some words. Thank you for the book of Revelation and people that are talking about your wisdom and your glory and your honor. And I just pray that as followers of Jesus, we will live in a way where it's clear that you are on the throne of our lives. We ask for your protection. We thank you for this opportunity and help us to take one step closer to you this week. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.